Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, today um, we're going to talk about another one of the emotions. Uh, last week we talked about, um, you know, how to deal with some of your emotions, because those emotions a lot of times bring anxiety to us. Um, and really, no matter how many times I could ever talk about something to do with anxiety or feelings or something like that, um, everybody that I talk to is struggling with it all the time. And so it's one of the things that uh, I just really feel like we need to lean into to become uh, strong and courageous people that are victorious, that aren't walking around thinking that we're losers for some reason when we're not. Anyways, today we're going to talk about how to get angry, how to get angry, how to be angry like Jesus, because Jesus uh, experienced any of the emotions that you can imagine, and anger was one of those. Some of you, um, how many of you know somebody right now who's angry at you? Oh, gosh. Oh my gosh, I don't have enough arms. How many of you are angry with somebody else and you're like writhing around in it? That guy's arm shot up. He was like doing the... The thing about Jesus that was interesting is that even though he had all of these different emotions, he did not let them become something dangerous and unhealthy. Uh, he let those emotions lead him to compassion, to love, to grace, and even when he was angry, that he was able to do it without sin. Um, I am not super good at this anger without sin thing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was probably the, the most angry in my life as a, you know, a teenager up to early 20-something. Um, I had all sorts of things that I believed that I was justified to be angry about. Um, coming from a family of criminals, drug addicts, alcoholics, um, just kind of, some of them, dastardly folks. And just that I lived in a trailer and the electricity would be out for months at a time, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and I was justified to be angry at things. And so things would come up, and I would punch holes through doors. And I broke both of my hands more than once, punching windows, punching cars, uh, putting my fist through what I thought was just the drywall, but I hit a stud! just having explosive anger of screaming like a madman and just that it was it was an angry angry time in my life in my early 20s uh i i started to move it more towards like video game type things um i was way into mortal kombat 9 and i think i went through five or six controllers i would throw them against the wall and they'd shatter and it'd be 50 dollars $60 for another one. Then I, I learned a little bit of my lesson. I quit throwing them against the wall and I just squeezed as hard as I could and then I broke two more of them like that. 
How do you handle anger? Any controller breakers in here? Any window punchers? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Sure, okay. We handle anger in different ways. I know certain people that will scream into a pillow. I know other people that will go running when they're angry. Uh, I know people who uh, just go into the screaming at anything, uh, punching, kicking, you know, violent things, uh, anger coming out in the wrong places. Like, you know, the, the, the parent at the soccer field with your little kids there and the, the ref makes a bad call and this, this guy or mom or whoever jumps up and is just losing his mind at this teenager who's refing this game who got a, a call bad and he is just laying into him. Is that because of the call that was made at the game? Or was it that anger coming out in a different spot? Was it a, a, a surrogate battle, a surrogate anger? We bring it out in all kinds of different ways. Some of us are um, ostriches that will bury your head in the sand, or maybe you grew up in that setting that anything that makes you mad, you just kind of stuff it away, you stuff it away, you stuff it away, until all of a sudden, what happens? You, uh, you end up on the news sometimes, because you lose it. And that pressure's been building up, and it... It exploded. Is it a sin to be angry? It's not, it's not a sin, but being angry is one of those things that's like a gateway drug to sinful behavior. Being angry is like this thing that can quickly lead you into destructive or sinful behavior um, because you let that anger go to the easiest place. You know when you get angry and you scream, when you punch something, when you do a lot of these different things, you actually release dopamine into your brain. So your brain actually receives a little signal when you respond in whatever quick way that is, that fast grab way of fight or flight type things, and it releases a little bit of dopamine that goes, hey, good, good boy, good girl. That was nice. That was kind of nice. That was nice to at least let that, that steam off. You should do that next time you get angry again. It should be bigger. You should punch a bigger hole. You should scream louder. And that little dopamine hit can come along. But that's when we find ourselves in this place of sin where we respond incorrectly. What Jesus says, and then is repeated in Ephesians by the Apostle Paul, he says in Ephesians 4, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, in your anger, do not sin. And then he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so maybe you're one of those people who you're angry with him or with her and you, you just do the quiet treatment thing, the silent treatment, and you just ignore. And are you sinning? No, not yet. Not quite yet. 
You're still, you're still okay. You're allowed to be, you're angry and not sinning still, just given the, the silent treatment or the uh, ignoring them or being cold to them type, whatever it is. But it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because, and what it means to me is, uh, if you didn't deal with it, if you didn't deal with it by bedtime, by morning, you've sinned. By morning, you have let it fester. By morning, you have started to let that become a thing where you start to hold grudges for more than one day at a time. If you don't solve it before bedtime, you are going to start that process of having a wedge driven between the two of you. And this could be uh, a husband and wife. It could be a couple. This could be siblings. This could be friends. It could be a coworker. But you're going to allow that thing to start driving a wedge and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And I believe that he's saying, hey, don't let the sun go down on this because by morning you're going to have fallen into that, that other's territory. It says, do not anger or in your anger, do not sin. It says and then verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Basically, you, you leave that thing unsolved. Un, um, you know, you didn't ever get into it. Nobody apologized. You didn't fix it. And you let the sun go down on that anger that you have for them. Because whatever they did, they did... You know, they were inconsiderate towards you. They said something about you. They criticized you in, an, in a, a really bad way. They really hurt your feelings. Whatever the heck it is, that if you go to sleep with that anger, all of a sudden you're giving, you're giving the devil traction. He was slipping in the mud repeatedly trying to get a hold of something, and all of a sudden you just threw down a bunch of sand for him. You're like, here you go. By not figuring that out, solving that, fixing that anger the night before, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you let the door stay open. Sometimes snakes come in. So you, he says, don't give the devil access to your marriage. Don't give the devil access to your friends or to... Don't let the devil give access to your witness, your story, your actual, you know, experience that you've had with Jesus, that, um, that that anger could come in and it could actually take away from your, your story about who you are in Christ, lead to destructful stuff. In Matthew 21, it for some context, this is where Jesus is entering Jerusalem uh, right before Passover. Um, every Jewish person who was in the Roman Empire, they were invited and kind of expected to travel from, you know, they were supposed to come from the, anywhere in the Roman Empire to Jerusalem for Passover. And the historian Josephus, if you're into any kind of a, uh, what what are the, you know, the factual things about the Bible? Was Jesus a real guy? Very recorded throughout history in history books, not just in scripture, not just in Christian books, but one of the most famous historians, Josephus, who was just 
a recorder of things that were going on at the time. He was writing everything down. Yes, indeed, there was a man named Jesus. Yes, he did all these miracles that cannot be explained. I don't know how he did them, if they were a trick or, or what it was, but recording all of these things. Josephus, he said that during this time, uh, Jerusalem would go from about 40,000 people all the way up to over 250,000 for Passover. So that's how many travelers were coming in. This is the last week of Jesus' life. Right when this is happening, this is five days before he would give up his life. And what he does is he, he ends up going to the temple, and what he sees there is heartbreaking to him. It's, he sees hypocrites inside the temple, the holy place where, where people are supposed to discover God. And he goes and he sees hypocrites and greed and abuse going on, just basically misuse of his father's house. It says this in Matthew 21. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So this was pretty uncharacteristic for Jesus up until this point. We didn't really see this angry side of him. Jesus comes in. I don't know. Have you guys ever flipped a table over? I have. Remember, little angry boy. It is pretty fun. But it's violent, and it's scary, and it's ridiculous, and it's unnecessary, and it's, it's just an angry, angry act. And it says that Jesus did this. Why did Jesus get angry? This wasn't something he did every day. Um, I, at first, before I researched more about this, this story, I'm like, was it because the, like they, the tables, did they, did they go with somebody else for the, for the carpentry? Like, was he upset? Was he upset because they didn't take his bid? Is that why he flipped? He found, where did you get this table? This isn't mine. It's, it was crazy because Jesus was only known for his love, not ever really his anger. He was, only, And this was kind of the thing where a lot of people were like, see, I told you, I told you he was going to told you he was going to show his real side. I, I told you that he wasn't perfect, that he wasn't always about love. I told you. But this is a righteous anger because Jesus loved outcasts. He was the one who would touch lepers. Um, he's the one who would forgive sinners. When Jesus got angry, um, Here's what I really noticed about it is that Jesus never got angry about things that other people did to him. He never got angry about things that people did to him. Even when he was being hung on the cross, he wasn't, he wasn't angry at the people who were doing it. Uh, the thing that Jesus was, was he was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. He was angry on behalf of people who were mistreated. Anybody who was getting a raw deal... If you read scripture, it is about, it's about the disenfranchised. It's about the, 
the people in the margins, the ones who don't get paid attention to, the ones who, the ones who feel that, that right to be angry because they've had a hard way to go. Those people who have been considered less than. He's just always for those people. And he gets angry when those people are being mistreated. And so, of course, people betrayed Jesus. Was he, was he, he wasn't angry at Judas. He wasn't angry at him even. I'd have probably punched Judas, I'm going to be honest. People, even, even in his closest friend group, so his closest disciples and friends, his brothers, they disagreed with him on things. People came along and they took all kinds of shots at Jesus, saying that he was a, a phony, he was a fake, he was a magician, he was this, he was that, but he wasn't the son. They would take all these shots at him and it was, he wasn't angry at him. He's criticized by people unjustly. They were always wrong. And he's, and, he's not, and he's not angry at them. He's never angry at somebody criticizing him. He's angry when other people have their rights violated. He's angry when other people um, have to suffer at the hands of people more powerful than them. Jesus basically got angry anytime other people were hurting not what was hurting him. Um, for any of you, like you, uh, where's your? Here, here's the anger audit that you could do. Like, how angry am I right now? Some of you are like boiling, but it's like a quiet boil, and you don't even know it's going on, and it is just building pressure. And it's natural. It's natural to get your feelings hurt. Most of us were only ever going to be angry at things that hurt our feelings. Um, you know, a, a thing could come, a tree can fall and crush your tree house, um, and you can be angry for a little bit about that, but that one goes away really fast. The anger that stays are when you got your feelings hurt, when somebody lied about you, or when somebody criticized you, or they made fun of you in some way, they made you feel less than, they betrayed you, they, they hurt you somehow. The Bible's super clear, though, about what we got to do with those people that made us angry. Forgive them, that you forgive them. If you're angry, the only way to get rid of it, you're angry with another person, forgive them. It doesn't just go away over time. Maybe you forgive them over time, but I would say you just say, I forgive them right now. I forgive, I forgive, I let them off the hook because I was let off the hook. So I let them off the hook. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to believe the worst about them, that they're going to do it to me again. I'm going to forgive them all the way. Fresh start. If you're somebody who's been angry for years over something that somebody said to you or did to you or that they didn't do for you or, or whatever it was, somebody that hurt you in some way, you might need to find some healing, dude. It might be time, yeah. Like, because, I mean, if you were trying to injure them with your anger, um, it probably hasn't worked, has it? Like, maybe you, maybe you hurt their feelings back. Maybe you ruined a really good relationship or something. But, man, that anger is not helping either of you guys. Jesus isn't mad about the things that happened to him or what other people did to him. 
he's angry that his father's house is being dishonored and that people are being mistreated in it. The money changers. The money changers uh, essentially were, I don't know if you've ever gone to another country where you have to exchange your money, you have to trade it in for whatever the going exchange rate is. Um, I've gone to multiple different countries where we had to exchange money. And depending on where you go, some, I mean, if it's not at a bank, they can charge you more money for it. They can give you not as good of an exchange rate depending on where you go. Uh, at the synagogue, at the temple here, a serious price hike was going on with the money that was being exchanged, and it was to an extreme degree where this was one of the only places that you could possibly exchange your money. 250,000 plus people are now in town when it's normally just 40,000 people. All of these people need to get their money switched over to the kind that is accepted here in this area. And all of a sudden, the people who have shops set up in the temple are ripping you off unbelievably. Unbelievably. It said somewhere around 25 cents on the dollar. And the worst thing even for me is it, it talks about the, the doves being sold. The doves being sold. This one's crazy. If you were to visit the temple, you were supposed to bring a sacrificial offering. That sacrificial offering would typically be something like birds, where you would sacrifice a bird to show God that you were serious about this visit, to, to give something to him, to offer something over. Now, these doves, if you were outside of the temple, the doves, it said for a pair of them, for two of them, it would cost you four pence. Let's pretend that pence are equivalent to a dollar because they're not far off of that, actually. So you could get two doves outside of the temple for four bucks. As soon as you went inside of the temple, where a lot of people didn't know the customs of the temple and what they had to do, but once they were inside, it was like being stuck in King's Island and having to get like a, a drink. You're in trouble. Two doves were $75 inside. They're $4 outside. They're $75 inside. And so Jesus comes in and he sees this and he's like, this is, it's extreme gouging, price gouging. And you're doing it in my father's house. Jesus was upset not because of anything that was being done to him. He was angry on behalf of those people who were being mistreated and ripped off. And they were being ripped off by the people who said they were the representatives of God. Second thing that I've noticed about Jesus whenever he got angry. So the first one was he, he gets angry on behalf of people who were mistreated. The second is that when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. He didn't flip people. He flipped tables. He didn't flip people. He didn't grab a hold of any of these guys' necks and say, what do you think you are doing? He flips the tables. He doesn't flip anybody off. He flips the tables. He doesn't punch anything. He flips the tables. He doesn't cuss anybody out. He doesn't, he doesn't point it at a person. He flips the table because a table... It was that thing that represented this system that was supporting the hypocrites 
the, the mistreatment of, of people, the, the turntable was that symbol of, I'm going to disrupt this system right now, and I want to shock you. I want to shock you into seeing that this will not happen in my father's house because righteous anger showed up. He said, this injustice can't happen, right? And we got to be careful with this kind of thing because right now what some of you are hearing is, yeah, 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 yeah. Some people take the thing I'm talking about right now and they set abortion clinics on fire. That is not righteous anger. I understand the anger, but it's not righteous to go and to dole out your own type of justice because you believe it's right and that you feel so strongly about it. Just because you feel strongly about something, uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to translate into a righteous purpose. You know, I, I'm obsessed with watching uh, just criminal investigations and um, like detective interrogations of, of suspects for various things. And uh, one of the things that one of the things that is so strange is the, the, the tricks that we can play on our own mind where so many people believe they're doing what had to be done. That, you know, they, you want to kill pedophiles. That's a common thing. That's a thing that happens in prison constantly. Is it righteous anger? It was up until a point, up until that point where you didn't, you didn't love that person. Instead, you, you tried to solve the problem yourself. Just because we feel strongly about something doesn't mean we're right. Doesn't mean we have to be looking for tables to flip over. You know, when we were going through the, uh, the pandemic stuff, it was, it was a no-win thing going on constantly that was driving me crazy because we couldn't do the right thing no matter what we did. Uh, that some, you know, it seemed like exactly half of the church, half of the church, they thought that we should never be open, our doors should never be open during the entire pandemic, that it was irresponsible, that um, it's, it's reckless to be doing that, that um, no, that we should, just close it, we should just close it up for who knows how long. That was half of you guys. And the other half were on the opposite end going, no, we should have never closed our doors at all. Not for one week. We should have stayed open the entire time. It's our right to do so. We're just caving to the liberal agenda, blah, blah, blah. We just couldn't win, no matter what we try to do. And both sides of it felt righteously correct righteous like I'm angry about what's that and you felt right you felt I am I'm correct what is with these idiots can we all disagree we've all been the accidental idiot like Lord please forgive me right now for hundreds of times I was an idiot and I never even knew I never found out about it in Jesus name amen So many people in their, in their effort to be right, they have forgotten 
the whole thing about being loving. In their effort to be right, they forgot about being loving. Um, you have to make sure in that if we have unrighteous anger, if we have unrighteous anger that we don't, we don't justify things and, and start to do unloving behavior, mistreatment of other people, you might end up getting a table flipped in your house. Our goal isn't to be right, it's to be loving. I, I could spend just the rest of the time saying that our goal isn't to be right, it's to be what? Loving. loving. Man, but I do like being right. <laughs> it is tasty. But um, you know who I can't stand? I can't stand being around people who always have to be right about everything all the time. And so I'm trying to let it go because I'm like, <gasps> a mirror. Oh, it's me. I do that. And I can't stand that. And I'm like, man, I am. there have to be people that I have pushed away with this need to be right instead of being loving. When you get rid of that need to be right and you start being, that loving starts to open up empathy it starts to open up being able to understand what it's like to walk around in someone else's shoes to listen to say okay i mean that's you know that's not it's not the way i would do it but i understand how you got there i understand why you did that and to be able to love them through it instead of just to be right about something if you want to be angry like jesus you have to be angry on the behalf of other people and you have to flip tables and not people. The third just thing observed for, for Jesus' type of anger, that whenever Jesus is angry in Scripture, what we see is this. When Jesus got angry, he loved and he healed those who were hurting. When he got angry, it led to him loving and healing people who were hurting. It was, that was the thing. Have you guys ever seen, I mean, we've seen a million movies and TV shows and even situations, maybe you played sports growing up, and uh, how many times do we see that, oh, they're, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna win, they're not gonna be able to pull this off. We gotta get them angry. We gotta get them riled up and angry, and then all of a sudden they get activated and they can play tennis or whatever it is because you got them angry and they got and they channeled that anger not into the other person but into the tennis racket into the ball into the this that they channeled it into something else when Jesus got angry he channeled it into loving and healing people who were hurting Jesus didn't just flip tables he was helping the hurting people and healing the sick it said that right after he flipped those tables it, it doesn't speak of it again really it's just like he got super mad and then what happened was it resolved did jesus apologize did he do nope he just started healing people and uh and letting them know that they were loved it says in matthew 21 it says the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Also, the blind and the lame and the, all of the people in the margins, these are the poor people. They're the ones who now can't afford to even go into the temple. Because 
their money isn't worth nearly what it's actually worth, their little amount of money they have. And then to go in, they have to make an offering. They have to buy doves. It's, they're being kept out. Jesus says, come on. I flip these tables over. Uh, there's no longer... everyone. It's like... Everyone's free today at King's Island. No tickets needed. Come on. Every time we see Jesus angry, he didn't yell... Um, he didn't leave critical posts on their Facebook page. Uh, didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Imagine what would happen uh, to those corrupt money changers today with uh, the cancel culture that we live in. Like everybody is just looking for stuff. People are just digging through Twitter archives all of your oldest posts when you hit a MySpace or a live journal or this or that or this or a blog or that or here, any kind of thing that they're, they're trying to find dirt on everyone. If you're in the spotlight in any kind of way that they are going to find any time that you even got close to messing up so that they can have some type of power and they can have an interesting story for five minutes and they can be the one who got you the justice you deserved for the horrible thing you did type thing. Those money changers, they would have got hammered. They would have been canceled super quickly. It would have been ha like hashtag on different things. Tables turned. Money changers would have been canceled. Hashtag keep the change. And so if we think about the people who hurt or mistreated Jesus, who actually went after him, the Pharisees, uh, Pontius Pilate, Herod, uh, Judas, Peter, even hurting or mistreating Jesus in some way, not trusting him, not believing him, not just hurting him or mistreating him in some way. You know, they were wrong. They were wrong. They screwed up against Jesus, and he had a right to be angry with them. But the thing about Jesus is he keeps making this point that just because you were wrong doesn't mean that you're canceled in my, in my kingdom. Just because you're wrong doesn't mean you get canceled. I'm so, so thankful that God canceled my sin and he didn't cancel me. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, man, I would, oh my gosh, I just have done so many things that God could cancel me for. I'm just so glad he canceled my sins and not me. It says in Colossians 2, it says, For he, God, he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly. He shamed the spiritual rulers publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That any, uh, anything death thought it had going for it, any place where the devil thought he had a foothold, any of the, it says, the spiritual rulers and authorities, demons, that 
Jesus shamed all of them by his victory over them on the cross, that uh, he wasn't succumbed to death, that he walked right through it. And so Jesus gets angry at hypocrites. He gets angry at any of these things that keep people from the Father. When you get angry, don't sin. When you get angry, don't sin. Try to go a different direction with it. Flip a table. I know that one sounds like that could be... You know what I mean. Don't flip a real one. But that you would flip a table, that you would, you would change something about the setup where people are getting hurt, maybe where you're getting hurt, that you would help to flip the table on it, you not flip a person. The goal isn't to be right, the goal is to be loving. And so to be loving, sometimes you go to them and you say, hey, you really hurt my feelings, you jerk. I need to talk to you. Instead of burying your head in the sand, instead of pretending it didn't happen and never talking to them again, and just being okay with losing that person. The goal isn't to be right, it's to be loving. Fight for different solutions. Fight for marriages. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it, mm, I'm just going to give, I'm going to give him the silent treatment for one more night. Or I'm going to stay out in the garage until three or four in the morning and just not talk to her. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You fight against those things. You fight against things like racism. That's where righteous anger comes in. That this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It shows us every possible place we look, all tribes and tongues, that we are all together, that we're all part of the same soup that has been made in the image and likeness of God. And that this, any, any, racism existing that it's ridiculous to the kingdom of God it's ridiculous to Jesus and it's unacceptable that you would stand for those who who risk their lives that you would stand for those people who aren't able to stand up for themselves that you'd fight for the unborn because they can't fight for themselves that you would fight for um you know, you would fight for the dementia and Alzheimer's patients who, who can't fight for themselves. If you suffer from some type of mental illness, that you would, you would fight for those with mental illnesses. But maybe some of you, you get that righteous anger over the fact that there isn't clean drinking water everywhere in the world. Not only that, there isn't clean drinking water everywhere in the United States. That people are getting parasites and people are dying and they're getting sick all the time from things that we have, like, we have little tablets that hardly cost anything that can purify water instantly. Like, there are so many solutions to be able to clean the water. And it's just, it's one of those things that's frustrating hunger, that there's kids, there's, man, there's kids actually dying. And I'm like, did I go to Wendy's twice today? But in that anger, don't sin. You use it to aim it at something else. Uh, as a, a very divided people still, um, with all different kinds of things, we're 
we see everything online with cancel culture and everything that, and all of the things going on politically. Just, um, I, th I don't feel great about where we are as far as unity goes in the world. And uh, it's one thing that I know for sure that we're called to do as the church, that even if the rest of the world is not unified, that we, we need to be unified in this place. That it's not a, yeah, the church is also divided in that way. That when you come in these doors or when you're a part of this thing called the church, the followers of Jesus, that we're aligned, that we're together, that we're unified. Because we're not focused on being right, we're focused on loving people. That's it. And when people start to bring up other things, we, we know the mission. The mission is to love people, not... I'm going to, no, this is what we believe. This is why you're wrong. This is, uh, that doesn't sound like loving to me. Sounds like trying to be right. You should be angry at the devil. You should be angry at Satan because he has stolen so much from you. He has taken so many things away that we've just let be okay. He steals your joy. He kills hope in people's lives. He destroys lives. And so in that righteous anger against him and what he's done and what he's done against God, we can be unified in that mission that we're to be leading people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus who know that they're loved, who know that they're saved, who know that they're safe, their home's secure, that they're part of something bigger than themselves, that they don't have to be right, that there's grace that they could have screwed up many times that they don't have to have it all together. So I wish I, I, wish I knew a better way to, to, to say that and challenge us at that on how do, we, how do we take our anger when we're angry and we use it to work on bringing healing and hope and love to people. How do we do that? I need help with it too. But in your anger, do not sin. Turn the table. Love, love people. Love the people. If you have someone you're angry with and it's been a long time, forgive them. Just forgive them. They say unforgiveness is like um, you taking a bunch of rat poison, rat poisoning, um, because you want the rat to die. That they're the rat. And, um, but for whatever reason, you keep taking it, you keep hurting yourself, you keep being more and more bitter, more closed off, you keep being less likely to be friends with somebody else, yada, yada. If you have anger for someone, forgive them. Do it today. You don't, even have, you don't have to let them know. You, you can just give them a call and and say, hey, I've just been thinking about you. Or I want to say that I'm sorry for the stuff I did in it. Let's pray. God, I just, I thank you for, I thank you personally for the, the amount of anger that you've removed from me. God, I just say keep going, and I, I know and I trust that you don't start a work in people and not see it through, 
that you're going to bring it to completion. And so I want more of that, that righteous anger that leads me to love people. We just say, come Holy Spirit, for all of us in this room, if anyone is consumed with anger or they have people who are angry with them, that it's that vicious cycle, God, that you would just show us a better way. You would show us how to flip a table in our life. Help us to be angry for the things that break your heart. Help us to be angry in a way that pushes us to do something powerful and courageous for the kingdom. God, don't let us just be ostriches with our heads in the sand. Just pray that you would set a holy fire in us. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come and do your thing. You got that in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. Uh, I love you all. I hope I will see you soon. Um, again, check out all of the baked goodies out in the lobby. Um, have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.